You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty. Oh, to stimulate your thinking. You're listening. You're listening to Intellectual Erection. Intellectual, intellectual, intellectual Erection. Welcome to another episode of Intellectual Erection. I'm your host, Patrick. Today, I'm talking to sex researcher Chantel Ivansky. What we were interested in was coming up with a conceptual definition of sex positivity based on how experts in the field of sexuality and relationships would use it. And we had researchers, therapists, authors, sex shop workers, clergy members. Fucksmiths. Fucksmiths. (laughs) (laughs) And we asked them, "What, what do you think sex positivity means? We talk about a paper she published in the Canadian Journal of human sexuality, which talks about defining the concept of sex positivity. We talk about sex positivity, we talk about sex negativity, we talk about our definitions, how the study went, the types of questions she asked her participants, and the type of work she wants to see in the future for sex positivity. I also took her questionnaire and I reveal my answers, we talk about them in comparison to her sample of participants and more. And as always, listen, like, review, and most of all, enjoy. I'm sitting here today with... Chantal Ivansky. Why don't you tell the audience what you do? Um, All right, yeah, so I'm a graduate student. I'm just completing my master's right now and then hopefully set to uh, start my PhD in the fall. Mm -hmm. Um, And really broadly, my research is in feminist psychology, but specifically here today to talk about um, my work in sex positivity. Yes, so Chantel sent me an article, Exploring Definitions of Sex Positivity Through Thematic Analysis. Mm -hmm. So we're going to break that down, what that means, but basically we're going to be talking about sex positivity. Exactly. So my first question is always the origin story. Mm -hmm. Where did this all begin and what made you want to research sex positivity? Yeah, so um, it actually started in my undergrad. I, in the summer between first and second year, I decided to take a course in um, the psychology of human sexuality um, as a bird course. I thought it would be a really easy way to get an A, like make it easy for myself. And then I actually just found it so fascinating. And specifically what I found interesting is sex is something that impacts everybody either you're having it or you're not chances are you were a product (laughs) of it Um, chances are yeah yeah right that's true um but we're not allowed to talk about it and i find it fascinating that something so universal is something that we're not allowed to have discussions about so um kind of that attitude around sexuality is what i originally became interested in um and then i ended up approaching the prof who taught that class and asking if i could work with him um and doing an independent study and he was kind of like cool that sounds great go home figure out what you want to research and come back so i went home and was doing research and i found um some work on sex positivity and i was like this is really interesting and it seems to be becoming a more common thing to talk about this is a few years ago now right yeah, so it's yeah. much more commonplace now um so i went back to him and said i want to do a study on sex positivity and i want to see how sex positive Um, university students are Mm -hmm. and he said okay cool what is sex positivity (laughs) and I was like well it's you know it's being sex positive and he was like well what does that mean so he sent me home again and um, I just like you know I'm looking up the definitions and I started realizing that there are so many definitions of sex positivity and there's been you know academic research looking at sex positivity but they often I don't want to say they made up a definition, but there there's a lot of definitions that, you know, if you use this one, your study wouldn't have the same conclusions. And, and so it almost seems like, not that they're making it up for their own gain, I would never say that, but... Mm-hmm. Um, well, they, yeah, it seems like the term wasn't operationalized. Exactly. As, as we like to say in psychology. Exactly. So in your article, it showed, or you, you wrote that there wasn't really much on sex positivity prior to 2008 mm-hmm. and then afterwards there was a there was a spike mm-hmm. in uh in the the term being used in academic research mm-hmm. and then you showed a bunch of 
different definitions of sex positivity in your in your article absolutely yeah so it did seem like it need like this work needed to be done in order to actually understand what we're talking about mm-hmm. so it was it was uh it was a good move on on the side of your supervisor yeah. To, to yeah because no, imagine how many concepts we just take for granted right because we exactly. don't we don't feel like we need to think about it and it was it was interesting reading your article because it challenged me to write down what I thought sex positivity was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good practice because I'm not, you know, I don't want to say the definition that we came up is like the only definition that people are allowed to use now, mm-hmm. but it is good to think about what we're talking about when we talk about sex positivity because it's easy to say I'm sex positive, but like, what does that mean? Like, right. what does that look like? How does that work in practice, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think... Um, also, some of the the research that have been has been done, um, which I talk about a bit in the article, makes some very strong claims about sex positivity, and it's not that I disagree with them, but we need better research to be able to better. We need more research to be able to make those claims conclusively. I think, yeah. Right, right. Which is and yeah, and the first important step to that is understanding what we're talking about. Exactly. Is, is operationalizing the term, and I have two ideas on this topic one Mm -hmm. i agree it needs to have borders Mm -hmm. right so it needs to have some sort of what is and isn't sex positive right and i also think at the same time that the term needs to have an opening Mm -hmm. so that the definition can change with time absolutely and it has right so again like you know i talked about this a little bit but the term originally came out of the feminist sex wars um, wherein it was argued that pornography was bad for women and it was degrading and and this group of feminists and queer theorists kind of came out and were like, no, no, you're being sex negative. Like, pornography can be really beneficial for women. And um, so they were kind of considered like the sex positive feminists. So that's originally what it meant. Originally, sex positivity was like thinking that porn could be good for women. And it has like grown from that. So like, I think it definitely can and probably should continue to grow. Yeah. yeah. I, I've had another academic on the show before and we talked about exactly this, which mm-hmm. was the, the feminist movement, the sex positive versus the sex negative feminist. And there's there's good arguments on both sides also mm-hmm. because there is there is a there is something in pornography, in the world of pornography, that is detrimental to the way that women are being treated, Absolutely. especially by men, the media, and so on. So there is ways that we, we continue to sexualize women that is partially due to pornography and the types mm-hmm. of images. But then with sex positivity, it's like, let's not just shut that down. Yeah. There's ways that we can produce better porn. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it's the problem comes in when we create a binary where like yeah. pornography is either good or bad. Like, right. It, it can be good, but it can be bad. And we need to yeah. keep both in mind yeah. and just pay attention to what you're consuming. And now I, I think there's a lot more feminist porn producers, more women producing porn now. Absolutely. It's, um, I think, in Toronto. I think it's in Toronto every year. They have, like, the Feminist Porn Awards, um, where they do... It's like an award show for feminist porn. Wow. I'd yeah. like to get a seat in that audi- auditorium. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems fascinating. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's in Toronto. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. I'll have to I'll have to Google that after. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> let's get on to your article, awesome. which I enjoyed reading. Thank you. Um, here's my, my first question about the article. So on the first page of the article, I noticed a brief mention of sex addiction. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a controversial diagnosis that's been removed from the DSM-5. Mm-hmm for whatever reasons, but psychologists continue to diagnose people that fit the symptomology. So I wonder what your thoughts are on sex addiction. So, um, like, quick disclaimer is I'm not an expert in sex addiction. Um, I have opinions, but, yeah, you know, they're yeah. my opinions, right? Right, right. Um, and that's what I'm asking for. Yeah. It's basically your opinion. So from the way that I understand it, when someone is addicted to alcohol, gambling, drugs, whatever it is, they, we actually see a neurological change in their brain mm-hmm. um, as a result of that addiction. And when people have sex addiction, quote-unquote, we don't see that neurological change. Right. So it's not an addiction mm-hmm. the way that other things are addictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that no, like people can't have um, addictive behaviors, but I wouldn't... My personal belief is it's not an addiction the same way that gambling is addiction. Right. 
I remember the first time I heard about sex addiction, which was before the DSM-5 came out. I was in an undergrad psychology course, and the professor said something to the degree, now there's a sex addiction in the DSM, and she was saying how ridiculous it is, like, who's to say what's too much sex? Mm-hmm. And laughed about it, and I raised my hand, and I said, well, wait a minute. At that time, I was like, blah, 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 I know everything. Right? <laughs> Undergrad, undergrads. As if you do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, no. I'm like, if you're, having enough, if you're having so much sex that is detrimental to your life, that it yeah. prevents you from functioning normally, whatever the hell that means, mm-hmm. uh, or it impedes your normal functioning, then I would classify that as an addiction. It's something that is beyond your control. You're, you're doing it excessively to the degree that is detrimental to your, to your life, your livelihood, whatever it is, right? to your relationships, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And she kind of rolled with it. She's like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Now I probably have a different idea about that. I don't know. I don't think that that's probably sex addiction. I think that's just maybe impulse control, and it's probably related to something else. Because, yeah, what, yeah. Uh, what is too much sex? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that there are there can be unhealthy behaviors. Course, and I think, yeah. you know, if yeah. anything becomes... Um, detrimental to you, you know, enacting normal be- like life behaviors or yeah. going out or whatever it is that's not healthy. But I d- from my understanding, that's still not the same as a neurological change that we see right. with other types of addiction. It's just unhealthy behavior that, you know, you probably yeah. need therapy to deal with if it's yeah. something that you want to change. But yeah, because I know people use so many different things to self-medicate. If mm-hmm. they're going through through trauma or through a breakup or something, people have used sex, alcohol, drugs, right? So with some of those things, there are addictive elements, like you say, the neurological changes, and you become yeah. dependent on said thing in order to function, yeah. quote-unquote, normally, or to, to feel like you're avoiding whatever pain that you're trying right. to suffocate. Whereas with sex... I don't think that there's a potential for that to to do the same thing. So it just it, it doesn't make sense to me now. Mm-hmm. It, it made sense to undergrad me <laughs> who, who thought he knew everything. Yeah. But but now yeah I'm I'm on the side that I, I with you I think that unhealthy behaviors are just unhealthy behaviors. Yeah. And it's unhealthy to the degree that you're using this behavior to to cope with with something that you can't and should probably be seeking therapy for. Exactly. Yeah. And I've definitely met people in the sex positive communities. And I use this term a lot mm-hmm. on the podcast. I use yeah. it a lot. And I'll, I'll explain what, what I mean by it. But I, I just needed to have an umbrella term to basically talk about kink, BDSM, Absolutely. fetish, sex work, all of it, mm-hmm. polyamory. I just put it under sex positive communities because I thought, you know, these people share something in common. Mm-hmm. And in it, I have seen people who have had unhealthy relationships with sex. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you definitely can have unhealthy relationships with sex. And, um, you know, whether it be that you have some sort of trauma in your past, that you just don't have a healthy relationship with sex, or mm-hmm. some people just don't like it. And that's totally fine, too, right? Yeah. Um, and some people love it. Like, it's just kind of do you, right? Exactly. And my worry is that if you pathologize sex with sex addiction mm-hmm. right? if you put it in the dsm if you put it as a diagnosis if psychologists are able to use that terminology i believe it adds to sex negativity mm-hmm. because then it makes it seem like the sex itself is the problem and it feeds it's a feedback loop into the shaming the guilt exactly. treating sex as as a uh, as a problem yeah right and in that case i think it w- it just in- informs people that that sex is bad mm-hmm. or sex is somehow something that should be avoided so that's my reasoning now for for not wanting to think about it as a pathology yeah as an addiction i think the way that i think about it is it's more unhealthy sexual behaviors are more likely to be a symptom mm-hmm. like something else is going on and exactly. like that's the way you're coping with it exactly yeah, yeah. awesome all <laughs> right well the next thing that i want to ask before we discuss kind of definitions of sex positivity mm-hmm. is in your article there was one definition of sex negativity you discussed and this is from an author named Milbank mm-hmm. who defines sex negativity as something that speaks honestly about the hard knot of sex power and violence formed by male supremacy which aims to liberate women from sexual violence and compulsory sex Mm-hmm. So in this case, they have a positive definition of sex negativity, which is really strange to read. Yeah. It was interesting, 
to say the least. But it strikes me as a category mistake because it seems like it belongs, at least in my my perspective, to mm-hmm. a definition of sex positivity. Yeah. Right? So do you have any insights as to why this particular author used this specific definition and attributed it to sex negativity and not sex positivity? Do they have a problem with the, with the term sex positivity? Like, is there a background yeah. for why Milbank thinks this way? Or, um, I mean, they didn't get into a whole lot of background. Um, but the way that I interpreted it, or when I was reading their work, um, is they kind of, and you know, we'll, we can get into this a bit more when we talk about the article. But there are some people who believe that the term sex positivity can almost be sex compulsory, like you mm-hmm. have to have sex, right. and, which can be <clears throat> negative for women because then women are, are, can just be like a prop, right? Yeah, um, and I, the way that I interpreted it is that's their working definition of sex positivity is it is like sex mandatory. Mm-hmm. So sex negativity allows women to take a step back and say, no, no, I'm not just going to be a prop. I am a positive and actor and I get to decide. Um, but it, but that does come kind of from the fact that we are able to just make up our definitions to kind of right at the end of the day yeah we're just yeah we're just defining things to to suit our our research exactly and i think um i my interpretation is that was their definition working definition of sex positivity so in that case if sex positivity means sex is mandatory then sex negativity would almost be better right right i mean i i have a few things to say about that yeah, that, absolutely. And I think that I answered, or maybe I didn't answer it in, in the questionnaire. So I looked through your article. There's yeah. the questionnaire that, that you use. Mm-hmm. And I wrote out my answers for it, which we're going to talk about at the end of the episode. That's awesome. But we haven't even talked about the structure of the article. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> the point, though, that I was trying to make is that I do, I do still think it's a category mistake to do that mm-hmm. because to have a definition of sex positivity that in, includes something like compulsory sex, mm-hmm. I think defeats the purpose of sex positivity. So I mm-hmm. don't think that belongs in a definition of sex positivity when you're trying to promote healthy understanding of, of sex. So I think that any time that somebody says sex positivity has you know detrimental effects insofar as it's misinterpreted, I'm like, no, it doesn't have detrimental effects. Detrimental effect is the misinterpretation. Exactly. Right. Your work is good in that it's defining sex positivity so that we we no longer make those yes. mistakes. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and I think that it's like those in the know know that sex positivity does not mean that sex is mandatory. Right. But if if when we talk about sex positivity, we tend to only talk about um you know certain communities um Mm -hmm. and so i think that to lay people who maybe don't understand sex positivity it can come off as like well you're not sex positive unless you're engaging in these fetishes and these kinks and that type of thing so it it to lay people i can see how that misunderstanding happens and i Mm -hmm. definitely don't agree with it and i don't think it's accurate and i think it's our job to educate rather than be like well you're just wrong and that's the that's why sex positivity is important and a huge element of it i think is education is informing people that there are going to be people on varying degrees of spectrums of gender sexuality Mm -hmm. and at the same time um love and romance aromantic Mm -hmm. asexual right there's people that don't engage in it there's people that can't engage in it exactly and they still can be sex positive exactly yeah yeah um yeah and i think like education is a really important part of it like when we talk about sex education we should be talking about um you know healthy relationships um sti protect prevention pregnancy prevention but we should also include abstinence like you know Mm -hmm. that's an option if you want it it's just not the only one right yeah absolutely okay so let's get on to your article a little bit here awesome um one more thing, actually, before okay. the article. Okay, there's, so, there's something else that stood out in the article. It's still in the article, but okay. one of the participants in your study has the job title fucksmith, mm-hmm. which yeah. I thought was entertaining. Yes. So I want to know what a fucksmith is and how does one get that job? Um, yeah, that's that is that made me giggle as well. Um, do you know? I I don't actually know what they meant by it. We asked people, you know, why do you think you would be good for this study? Mm-hmm. What's your occupation? And like that's what they answer. Um, so I don't a hundred percent know what that means. I mean, I've 
looked it up, obviously, um, and I've found multiple different definitions. Um, I've found Fucksmith as someone who makes paddles and whips. Um, oh. So it might be that's what they were talking about. It, um, or it might just be like a self-imposed title that they gave themselves. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It's like a blacksmith makes things out of metals. Exactly. Right. Like it might be that that's what they were referring to. Or they might have just liked that title. And a fucksmith, I guess, makes things out of fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's exactly it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like fucksmith. I'm going to I'm going to do my own research into it cuz uh, I might want to get one of those badges. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, why don't we kind of discuss the structure of your article? Sure. How the study went mm-hmm. and what types of questions you used? so that the audience kind of gets an idea of of the the work that you did in order to define sex positivity. Absolutely. Um, So what we were interested in was coming up with a conceptual definition of sex positivity based on um, how experts in the field of sexuality and relationships would use it. So what we wanted to do was interview people who had that expertise um, so we ended up reaching out to different experts or anybody who would, which we defined as anybody who'd be looked to for advice on relationships and sexuality. Um, and we asked them uh, a bunch of questions and we ended up with 52 participants, um, which for a qualitative study is actually a lot, but yeah, you know, yeah. for a quantitative, not so much. And we had um, researchers, therapists, authors, um, sex shop workers, clergy, Fucksmiths. Fucksmiths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We tried to get as diverse of a sample as we could. Um, and we asked them, what What do you think sex positivity means? Have you heard this term before? Um, do you think it's good? Do you think there's any problems with it? Um, what do you think sex negativity means? Um, and, you know, the similarly, do you think it can be good or it can be negative? Yeah, we also asked about, like, what do you think sex positive relationships look like? What do you think sex positive sex education looks like? We just wanted to get as much information from them as possible. Um, and then from that, I, I don't know how much you want me to get into like the research side of it, but we did a thematic analysis based on Braun and Clark's method, which is like a six-step process that takes months. And uh, I'm, I'm interested, actually, because I do want to know what a thematic analysis looks like. And you defined it in your paper as... A thematic analysis that focuses on realism and essentialism rather than social constructionism. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much the audience wants to hear about this stuff, but go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, try to break it down in, in, in lay terms because I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it as well. Sure. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we focused on realism, which basically means that we're taking them at their word. We're not saying, well, when they said X, they probably meant Y. Right. We're saying they said X, they meant X, we're putting an X. Um, whereas you can do thematic analysis, which is equally as, you know, viable, but just not what we wanted to do in this case. Yeah, it's more um, interpretive. It's, it's like, more oh, interpreting yeah. what they meant yeah. and being like, oh, okay, they said this, but like, you know, the hidden meaning or, or maybe not hidden meaning, but... I mean, a lot of times when we talk, we don't right. talk explicitly, right? So yeah. it's equally valid, but um, for the purpose of this, because this research hadn't been done before, uh, we didn't want to imply, like, apply any type of interpretation. interpretation we right. just wanted to say, this is what they said, so this is what we're taking. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a six-step process. You start by just reading everything, kind of familiarizing yourself with what everyone said. Um, and then you kind of like pick out common things that come up often. So keywords or themes. Keyword, thing, yeah. yeah, themes. And then you start trying to group them together like, oh, this is education. This, this person, yeah. this, you know, and then you kind of come up with topics that everything fits under. And then you go through it over again. And then again, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long, like, you know, three or four month process that wow. um, to go through just 52 participants, which is why qualitative often uses so few people um but in the end you should have a set of themes um that are represented by your topic and and so that's what we came up with was this set of meta themes with um some themes that fit within them mm-hmm. right right so at the end of the day using a thematic analysis in this way groups together the themes of what people talk about so that you can kind of have an overall definition you could say when people say sex positivity 
they probably mean all or some of these eight kind of themes. Exactly. Another you know, good thing about it is you can see, well, education was a very common meta theme. Um, health and safety was a very common meta theme. So chances are, if you're talking about sex positivity, you're talking about health and safety and education. Other noteworthy themes is, is like one of the smaller topics. You might not actually be talking about those, but mm. it's still... A theme that would come up. Yeah, so I think I read uh, another article recently enough mm-hmm. on spirituality where they were doing the same thing, a sort of thematic analysis yeah. of the the word spirituality, and the yeah. authors obviously they they had their own bias going in, which I think they they talked about in the article, which mm-hmm. was that people don't really know what they mean when they say spirituality mm-hmm. because they found over ninety two definitions of the term spirituality and they did a thematic analysis and grouped it into I think four or five maybe a little more Mm -hmm. key themes like you did yeah and basically they showed that each of those themes belong to something else either when you're talking about spirituality you mean religion Mm -hmm. or you mean uh, philosophy or you mean basically notes to self so it was all these things so the article I think the prejudice was that they just don't like the term spirituality and it's so loose that they're saying it's meaningless Mm. and when people use it nobody knows if you mean the same thing so they're saying that's the problem is when we're talking about it we don't know if we're talking about the same fucking thing exactly because for me spirituality is a very religious experience for you it's just like a way of life it's a lifestyle which means you know ethics that was another one of the things like it means ethics yeah right so And I think actually in um, one of the other noteworthy facets, so in the eight themes, there were a few that, you know, didn't really fit into anything. So we kind of put them together under other, Other. Um, you know, we othered them. And one of them was actually meaningless, as in the Mm -hmm. idea that sex positivity is a meaningless term. And and very similarly, there are people who are like, this has just been used. Nobody knows what you're talking about. It's just meaningless. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are people who have that opinion of the term sex positivity as well. But hopefully through this research, we can kind of be like, no, it actually is. Yeah. Meaningful. It's meaningful and important. Yeah. 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 And I would I would be one of the people that agrees with that statement. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And you'll see why. I mean, I have a very precise definition, I think, of of sex positivity. So what I did is the section in your article where you outline exactly the, t- the questions that you ask because you yeah. put them in there you say yeah. i asked this question and i asked whether uh, and i put if it's a yes or no if it's a binary if it's a yeah. yes explain so on so i wrote out all those things i replicated your questionnaire awesome. and i answered it before reading the section where your participants answered because i didn't mm. want their biasy or yeah, yeah bias i didn't want their interpretations to influence mine yeah and then after reading it i found i had very similar kind of Awesome. Yeah. There you very, go. Yeah. Very similar. I think, I don't know. We'll look at my, my answers in yeah, a bit and we'll see. see if there are any sort of things where I deviated or had my own additions that you didn't hear before, mm-hmm. which would make me feel very special, <laughs> but <laughs> probably not. Okay. Before we get to that, what I do want to ask is after doing this study, did your perspective of sex positivity change? And how do you define sex positivity now? Is there anything you found surprising through the study? Um, so, okay, first question was, did my opinion change? Yeah, did your perspective of sex positivity change? Did my change? perspective change? Um, it didn't change. I think I was just um, educated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like before I thought it was good, now I think it's bad or anything like that. It was just like there's so many different facets that I didn't think about. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when I, like, if we go back when I originally met with my supervisor and I said, sex positivity is being sex positive, like, that's genuinely the extent of my knowledge on it. Right. And through doing this research, it, it more just opened my eyes to, like, how narrow-minded maybe I was and how, like, uneducated I was. And, and when I went through the research, it seemed very obvious. Like, oh, yeah, of course education is included. Of course consent is included. Of co- but, like... Um, so, you know, I didn't think of that. So it's more that I feel more educated rather than mm-hmm. my opinion has changed. I can say what I found most interesting, mm-hmm. which I think we've already talked a little bit about, is when is, you know, this idea that when we talk about sex positivity, we're talking about being accepting and open of people who are different and 
um, like different things than you do and being like that's cool you do you but we often don't think about the people who um, are abstinence or or are choosing to wait for marriage to have sex for the first time or um, maybe have a negative relationship with sex and I think that was most interesting to me because often you know I was one of those uneducated lay people who think sex positivity means being accepting of kinks and BDSM and all that stuff so it was interesting to be like oh yeah I can be accepting of everybody mm -hmm. um, I can be accepting of people who don't want to have sex too and that's still sex positive and you know I can be abstinent and still be sex positive because I'm okay with other people and so the way that I would define it now is just being open and accepting of other people and their choices mm -hmm. um, given that there's consent of course um, and um, promoting access to sexual health information and education okay that's All right, that's not concise. too dissimilar from mine, I think. <laughs> we can we can get to mine, shall yeah, we? Yeah, I would love to okay. hear your answers. So let's do that. I went through your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question that you ask in your questionnaire is, what is quote-unquote sex positivity? Yes. And you leave that open for people to... Open-ended responses, yeah. no limit in how long you want your answers to be. So what I said is sex positivity here's my definition awesome the ongoing effort to liberate sex pleasure and sexuality from shame guilt and exploitation it is non-judgmental consensual and educational it is focused on pleasure diversity and understanding it is intersectional social and political I love that and I love how like I love that you gave that response before looking at the results because I like as you're reading it I'm like yeah, you checked off that theme, you checked <laughs> off that theme, you checked off that theme. Yeah. And I love that you talked about intersectionality as well. So when we asked about the negative aspects of sex positivity, one response that came up was the idea that um, sex positive communities can often promote ableism and not like recognize people who have different abilities. So the fact right. that you're, you talk about that is, a, I think, a really important aspect of sex positivity. Yeah, I mean, I got my own education in a, in a different way, not so much through research. I did some research, but a lot of the, the fringes, if if I can call it that, <laughs> uh, or the, the let's call it what it is, the marginalized people within the sex-positive communities, yeah. which are people with visible or invisible disabilities, yeah. right? And people that aren't necessarily cheerleading for, for sex, mm -hmm. right? For themselves or they can't. These are the people that are often unseen. Yeah. And these are some of the people that I've luckily had the chance to meet, talk to, and some of which have been on this show. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Right? I've had somebody who's a sex worker with who's on the spectrum of autism. Mm. Right? Right. So it affects the way that she's able to engage with her body, her clients, uh, yeah. sex and relationships. It's something that I've had the, the privilege of getting to know through doing this kind of work. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's become more visible, and I was hoping that this is kind of what the podcast can do, is have audiences understand that sex positivity doesn't always just mean people who fuck a lot. Exactly. I yeah. think that's really important. There's a really interesting documentary, and I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's about, it's Australian, and it's about sex workers who specifically cater to people with disabilities. So they, like, specifically, you know... Um, work with men who are in wheelchairs or don't have full range of motion as a culture we tend to ignore those people and like we tend to think well they they're not sexual beings and it's the same with um or similar with the way that we think of the elderly mm -hmm. we think you know once you reach I don't a know, 65 age. whatever it is like you <laughs> retirement don't have sex age. anymore yeah. <laughs> yeah you retire from sex <laughs> you retire from your job and sex <clears throat> yeah um but what we actually see is like in in um, retirement communities and nursing homes, they're one of the freakiest bunch. Yeah, <laughs> STIs are on the rise among those communities more right. than any other demographic. Yeah. Um, like and they're you, having sex, and you don't get it from it. sharing spoons. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's whole like arguments about whether there should be locks on the doors and bedrooms because you know. Nurses no, just, need to just, get in. But just give them condoms. Exactly, like, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah there's, uh, we just need to, everyone does it. Yeah. Which is the whole point. Everyone does it and we're not allowed to talk about it. That makes me really 
happy in a kinky weird kind of way is knowing <laughs> that in retirement communities the elderly are getting freaky they are i don't know it, it it makes me happy on the inside yeah i mean you know you don't reach retirement age and think well yeah. this is it i'm just gonna sit in my chair and read till i die like your life goes on right absolutely yeah. okay so the next the next question here is how familiar are you with the term sex positivity? Mm-hmm. And you have it on a Likert-like, I like how you wrote Likert-like scale. <laughs> so that's a, uh, that's a one to seven scale for anybody who, who's unfamiliar. And on the on the lower end of that, so a one means not familiar and a seven is extremely familiar. I put six-ish Okay. because I'm very proud of the fact that I've learned so much about sex positivity, mm-hmm. but I still think there's room for me to learn. So I'm not gonna go a seven, right. I'm gonna go a six. Because there's always room for me to be educated, and I'm sure there's so many things I, I I don't know about. Right. The next question you ask is, what is sex negativity? This one was a little harder to define. It is. Okay. So here's what I here's what I uh, I said. Sex negativity, social norms, legislation, and rules or guidelines that regulate, promote, and enforce restriction, guilt, and shame around sex, pleasure, and sexuality systematic and normative prescriptions about sex pleasure and sexuality that do harm to individuals and communities or put them at risk yeah i think that's really good and very similar to the definition we came up with which was focused around shame and guilt and and that kind of negative aspects do you think that sex negativity is the opposite of sex positivity in a lot of ways yes Hmm. the definition is also often opposite because where one would be promoting pleasure, safety, and, mm-hmm. you know, diversity. Mm-hmm. Sex negativity promotes exactly the opposite. Right. right? It restricts pleasure. It, uh, it restricts diversity. And I've, I'm, I've yet to think of, of something that's within my definitions, at least, mm-hmm. that is not opposed in, in, the, in the other definition. Yeah. And do you think that they're binaries or do you think that it's like a continuum? I, I'm more, now I'm yeah. like, I've turned into researcher mode where I'm like, tell me your opinion. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer not to think in binary terms about almost anything mm-hmm. if, I, if I can help it. So I would gladly place things on a continuum because you can be sex positive about certain aspects of sex positivity, yeah. if you will. And sex negative in other aspects. Yeah. Right? So I could imagine somebody who is sex positive about everything except decriminalization of sex work. Mm-hmm. Right? They might have some opinions about that that diverge from sex positivity. So if yeah. if in my definition, because this is part of my definition. Yeah, of course. If in my definition of sex positivity, I would say the decriminalization of sex work and somebody does not agree with that i i wouldn't necessarily say oh you're no longer that's it you lost your badge you're not sex positive yeah they might have a different experience they might want legalization of of sex work not decriminalization mm-hmm. right so the distinction for that we talked about on the show before is a lot of sex workers want decriminalization they don't want to be regulated mm-hmm. by the state they don't want that hand in their pocket right. they don't want those types of regulations and restrictions and I am sure there's uh, some people who do, who yeah. want to legalize sex work so that it is regulated by the state, so that it promotes whatever those people might believe is, is, is a safer environment around sex work. Right, right. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's almost identical to how I would argue it as well. That's really fascinating. Um, I would say as well that it's on a continuum. The example that I often use when when I talk about this is people can be very sex positive but be pro-life. Right. And I wouldn't say like, you know, now you're sex negative. I would just say you're less sex positive Mm -hmm. um, than someone who's, you know, yes on everything. That's, you know, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but that's hopefully what our, the scale that we're working on now will allow us to kind of tap into. Right. So um, I think that, yeah. A spectrum is something that I'm probably more more comfortable with, mm-hmm. because I don't I don't want people to feel like they have to lose their badge, mm-hmm. right? Their badge of honor and intersectionality kind of promotes the idea that that there should be diversity in your in your definitions and in your approaches, because there's certain ways in which people might approach this culturally that you don't understand. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I want to I leave room for that. 
so the next question is how familiar are you, are you with the term sex negativity again on a Likert like scale not familiar is one seven is extremely familiar for this one I put a five okay I put a five because I encounter it less often yeah I would say sex negativity and I try to not be around sex negative people yeah right so I'm I just have less exposure to it mm-hmm. I have personal experiences with it that are limited yeah and I've heard a lot of stories from a diverse array of people that have been on the show that have experienced mm-hmm. shame, guilt, restrictions, and all sorts of things from their parents, their religious communities, yeah. right? So in <laughs> yeah. so many ways, yeah. The next question is, is sex positivity related to sex negativity? Yes, no, if yes, explain. I wrote, yes, I believe sex positivity is reactionary to problems and harm caused by sex negative norms and institutions. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good answer. Um, and and um, it's also a very calm, like it's, yeah, again, you're among the majority where people often say, yes, they are. And, and this is where they kind of got into talking about how there are two ends on a continuum. And um, yeah, the idea that um, it's a reaction to sex negativity is, is new though I don't know if I've heard that mm-hmm. um, I definitely see where you're coming from and I think it makes a lot of sense maybe just something that hasn't been verbalized before so you've got uh, you've got a bit of uniqueness in you Ooh. there <laughs> well the way the way I thought about it is it's reactionary to the harm caused by sex negativity so mm-hmm. people that grew up with shame people that grew up with guilt the the pornography issues yeah. that, that you mentioned the reaction was in feminism well, wait, we have to do something about this in order to promote healthy standards mm-hmm. for, for sex, for body, for diversity of gender, sexuality, sex, and so on. Yeah. So I see it as a, as a reactionary move. Let's put it this way. The contemporary work in sex positivity, in my opinion, is a reaction to a history of sex negativity mm-hmm. from diverse angles, whether it's legislative, whether it's institutional, whether it's normative, whether it's regulative, whether it's guidelines, whether it's religious, whatever it is, the cultural, social, political... All these things that contributed to the way that we have thought about sex historically mm-hmm. in the recent period, let's say even post-war period, post-Second World War, mm-hmm. right? So these sort of conservative standards around sex, sex positivity, I believe, is a reaction to that. Yeah. And certainly there's historical examples where there were more or less sex-positive communities, institutions, mm-hmm. people, ideas, mm-hmm. norms. I think what's interesting, too, is like historically kinks bdsm like this isn't new right like victorian era we all think that they you know they had their buttons up to their chin and like they were these pro no they like they were just as kinky right we go back and we look at their their diaries and everything like they were having fun once the the camera was um created like one of the first things they did was porn porn, right like So it's not that this is a new thing that we're just exploring. It's just yeah. that we're being like, it's okay now. Yeah. And it's not that it wasn't okay before, but like, I don't know, people needed that permission almost to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And what's what's kind of interesting too is I think a lot of the, the kinks and a lot of the fetishes and all these things developed from the taboo of not being able to exercise those pleasures uh, in public, well, not necessarily in public, <laughs> but to talk about it, to mm-hmm. to have discussions about it, to write about it, right? When Marquis de Sade was writing about it, this was this was a huge issue. And imagine the the orgies back then and the sex parties. <laughs> yeah, people were freaky for a long time. People have I believe always it. been freaky. But I think the sex positivity is to is to to highlight that it's okay like you said it's perfectly normal as long as everyone is a consenting adult it's Mm -hmm. perfectly healthy yeah and -hmm. i think that's that's a huge part of sex positivity is consent yes because historically even when these people were getting freaky consent was not necessarily a factor Mm -hmm. all right so let's move on to the next question which is are there any benefits of sex positivity? <laughs> yes, no, if yes, explain. So obviously I wrote yes, and my reasoning is this. It, helping people accept and understand their sexuality, identity, sexual interests, and pleasure. Helping dispel systematic problems like the criminalization of sex work. Helping dispel myths about sex, sexual health, sexuality, and gender. Yeah. That's what I wrote. That makes perfect sense. 
I mean, I personally think sex positivity is beneficial. As you're reading the questions, like a lot of them seem so obvious, right? But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we were originally doing this research, like it wasn't as common as of a turn and we were interviewing a variety of people, but like we, you didn't have to be an expert in sex positivity to be in the study. You just right. had to be an expert in relationship or someone who would be looked to for advice on relationships and sexuality. So a lot of these questions we included because like, you know, maybe if you asked a priest or an imam, they would not know yeah. what sex positivity is, or they would not know what they've never heard the term sex negativity before. <laughs> well, I think regardless of how obvious the questions sound, they're important to ask. Exactly. Because if you don't exercise that bit of thinking to actually realize what you believe about it, what you think about it, this was a good exercise for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about it a lot, but I've never sat down to actually define things and to make it concise too. Because I don't want to write, you know, two pages about it. I yeah. want to be able to have a working definition that's ready at hand and to cover all the things that I, I believe are important about sex positivity. Yeah. Right? I so, mean, so it's probably good, too, because if, if you, you know, are going out like, oh, I have a sex positive podcast and someone says, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's helpful to be like, well, I know. <laughs> well, here's my written answer. <laughs> exactly. And I think this would be a nice questionnaire for a lot of people to just take the time to to go through and write out their answers and see what they, you know, what they actually believe Mm -hmm. and maybe compare it to to what other people have written. Mm -hmm. The next thing says, are there any downsides of sex positivity? Yes, no, if yes, explain. So this was a hard one to answer because I know that the misconceptions of sex positivity can be problematic. But I wrote a solid no. Okay. And if if I write a no, then there's no need to explain yep. based on your question. So I didn't write yeah, out an explanation, explanation. But my explanation, I think, was given earlier when we mm-hmm. talked about it, which is I think that any time that sex positivity becomes a problem, it's because it's misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a problem with sex positivity. Mm-hmm. So there are no downsides to sex positivity. If you're doing it right, yes. then you're doing good work. If you're doing it wrong... That's not a downside of sex positivity. That's a downside of, of you not being informed yeah. or you misinterpreting it. And a lot of people did actually bring up negative aspects of sex positivity when we did this study. Um, <clears throat> but almost all of them were asterisked by, yeah. but this is just because people misunderstand. Or this isn't actually a problem with sex positivity. This is a problem with people misunderstanding sex positivity. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, people did acknowledge the the negative aspects that can come from misunderstanding but they were very clear that this is probably because you just misunderstand what sex positivity is yeah 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 okay the next uh, question says are there any benefits to sex negativity yes no if yes explain i again i put a solid no i don't think there's any benefits to to sex negativity i think it's consistently harmful mm-hmm. and because my definition of sex negativity is opposed to sex positivity, I don't see how it could be, how there could be any benefits to yeah. sex negativity. I mean, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I would agree. There's um, like research looking at arguably Canadian sex education programs are more sex positive than, than the states. In Canada, we teach about abstinence, but we also teach about STIs and and access to contraception and all these different methods. And up until recently in the States, um, most states were abstinence-only education. And I would argue that this is probably part of the reason that these states tend to have higher rates of teenage pregnancy mm-hmm. because we're not giving them the education. Um, right. And I think that, yeah, that's like a harmful result of these kind of sex-negative programs. Yeah, you can tell people to abstain, but they're not gonna. Yeah, <laughs> right. and you're just not giving them the information to make yeah. accurate choices. Exactly, and mm-hmm. most media, and I'm acutely aware of it now, is when I'm watching sex scenes in films or mm-hmm. shows, they never, ever show condom use. Unless it's like a teen comedy where there, where there's fumbling with a condom, Yeah. then almost, I've, I can't remember the last time I saw somebody use a condom. Sex scenes always happen, heat of the moment, it's passionate, people go, they jump onto each other and they fuck. Mm-hmm. And it usually lasts like 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and, there's, and there's, there's no foreplay. There's no foreplay either. Yeah. Like everyone's just like ready to go right yeah. at the beginning. Um, similarly, up until fairly recently, 
um, TV shows, this is again my experience, and a bit of actually what I've read, um, would never show abortions. Um, if mm. people, if characters were talking about an abortion, they would either end up having a miscarriage or changing their mind and losing the baby, or and keeping the baby, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'd be discussions of abortion, but it never actually went through. And I think when, I think it was on Scandal a couple of years, I don't actually watch the show, but I remember mm-hmm. it was a big thing. Um, one of the characters ends up having an abortion, and like this was apparently one of the very first times that... Um, people actually went through with it on TV. And this is just a couple of years ago. Uh, I, kn- I also know a movie where there is uh, an abortion scene. Hmm. And that's the one with Ryan Gosling. I believe it's Blue Valentine. And it's, uh, it's, there's a scene uh, about abortion. I know I've seen it in films before. Hmm. Uh, also, if you want to see a really graphic one, there's a Romanian film that won a bunch of international awards called 432. Okay. So 432... It's an easy title. It, it's four months, three weeks, two days. Okay. And that was like the, the, the term mm-hmm. of the pregnancy. And it, it looks at communist Romania when abortion was illegal. Mm-hmm. And this woman has to go and find an alternative method of terminating the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Next uh, question. Are there any downsides to sex negativity? Yes, no. Again, explain if yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> A million times, yes. Shaming people and communities for sexual practices, sexuality, gender, and pleasure. Restricting access to education on informed consent, safer sex, sexual health, and sexual practices. Putting individuals and communities at risk through legislation that criminalizes sex work. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you touched on... I don't have anything to add. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, feel, I'm getting my own pats on the back here. I'm feeling good. And this is this is honestly thanks to all the wonderful people that I've got to interview. Is mm. that I've had I've gained such robust knowledge about sex positivity, sex negativity, sex work, criminalization, all these things. So this is thanks to them. Awesome. What is a sex positive person? So I wrote. A person who embraces liberation, education, and consent around sex, pleasure, and sexuality for themselves and or others from systemic and normative restrictions, risk, and harm. Okay. I think that's a, a very good answer. Probably more eloquent than a lot of people would put it. But basically, yeah. Yeah, so I put the reason I put and or mm-hmm. themselves or others is that I believe somebody can be sex positive about others and maintain sex negative perspectives about themselves Mm -hmm. due to trauma due to whatever yeah so i i don't think that's that the pressure should be on them to to cheerlead their own sexuality and their Mm -hmm. own diversity and there might be closeted about certain things and Mm -hmm. not feel comfortable and that's okay yeah i think that's something that actually came up quite often was this idea of acceptance Mm -hmm. and acceptance doesn't just mean accepting others but like it's also important to accept yourself yeah and some people like have a harder time with that yeah um but like you're normal like mm-hmm. you're normal people <laughs> i just yeah and the reason I, I wanted to define it this way is because i i want somebody like a religious community leader who believes in their own practices to be able to be sex positive about yes, others exactly yeah i think that's really important and well i think that a a religious leader who, you know, believes in their own practices for themselves can still be sex positive yeah. as long as they're saying, like, but it's okay for yeah. you to do what you exactly. want. Exactly, exactly. Because that's the idea of sex positivity is what's okay for me might not be okay for you. And what's okay for you, I might not be interested in. Exactly. But I'm still sex positive because you do you. And so a religious leader who, you know, chooses not to engage in sex because that's what their religion says or... Um, whatever it is can still be sex positive as long as they are fine with everybody else exactly and i've i've heard this this statement a lot i don't know the original source of it but i've heard it filter around through the community is don't yuck someone's yum yeah exactly (laughs) that's it i have heard that (laughs) it's hard sometimes because some people are into some things that will literally disgust you yeah but there's an open way to think about it and just be like for this person that thing makes sense. Yeah. It offers them pleasure. They're not harming themselves or others. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Yeah. As Just long be, as there's I, consent. Yeah. Like, my yeah. thing is, as long as everyone's consenting, you do you. Yeah. Like, and con- consent's also so important on the, on, the, on the part of being sex positive is you don't have to always receive that information. If somebody's talking to you about some sexual practice that makes you uncomfortable, 
part of being sex positive is also telling that person I'm not comfortable hearing the details of mm-hmm. this particular sex act. Yeah. I'm not and com- you can yeah. be sex positive and yeah. be like, you know, I'm not comfortable talking about this. Exactly. Like that doesn't mean you're yeah. not sex positive. It just means that you have healthy boundaries. Precisely. Yeah. Because what is really kinky and amazing to, for somebody to want to share their, their story for you can be traumatic. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, next this is one. very infirming. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What is a sex-positive relationship? Mm-hmm. I like this question. This one was also put, made me think, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't think about it. You're just like, like you say, well, when is sex-positive, obviously. Yeah, exactly, right? So right? <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to actually think about it. I wrote, an interaction between two or more people that acknowledge mutual respect for consent, pleasure, sexual practices, and sexuality. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Um, for me, it's just like, communication um you know you don't have to be like the same things but like being able to talk about it and talk about what you like and what you don't like and Mm -hmm. you know always getting consent and and um and sometimes that can be harder for not the consent part but like talking about what you're interested in can be hard for people um but i think it's really important and there are if it is something that's maybe not easy for you there are ways to do it that are there's this website that I'm thinking of and I'm blanking on the name you might know it but you and your partner can both go on and it's like a checklist mm-hmm. and you check off everything that you're interested in your partner checks off everything they're interested in and it only shows you things that you've both checked off so if you're like oh. you don't have to worry about being embarrassed by your partner being like oh I hate the idea of spanking like you know what I mean because yeah, yeah. it would only show you those things and I think Eventually, you want to get to a point, hopefully, with your partner where you can have discussions about those things. But there are ways to have communication while you get to that point of comfort. And, you know, this app website is just like a really good starting point, I think. That's awesome. I've heard of this website before. Yeah. I don't know it. I'll try to find it and put it in the description of this episode. All right. Because, I used to know it. I can't yeah, because it, it sounds, it sounds uh, fascinating. And I've heard about it before. And it'd be a really awesome way to find out you both share a really weird kink that you didn't want to talk exactly, about. Exactly, right? That'd be so hot, yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I created my own checklist. It's a BDSM checklist. Mm. So it's it's for the purposes of consent so i went and made this like google form thing and it's it's really extensive and anytime that i have a a new partner that's interested in kink or Mm -hmm. bdsm or any of that i i say here's the the checklist go through it and then based on their answers i'll look at the things that are are hard yeses and hard no's and i talk to them about those things yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, it's kind of another way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's just that one, I get to see all their answers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's... But yeah. they can also choose not to answer. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, the next question. What does sex-positive sexuality education look like? So I wrote, learning how to practice and or support consent, pleasure, sex, sexuality, sexual diversity, and sexual practices. Learning about sexual health, risks, foreplay, penetrative sex, non-penetrative sex, anal sex, anal play, oral sex, kinks, fetishes, and BDSM, developing a non-judgmental attitude toward diverse people and practices, learning about diverse types of relationships, identities, toxic and non-toxic behaviors, love, and communication. I think that's um, very thorough. One question (laughs) I have, right at the beginning you said um, the support of Mm-hmm. Or something. I like. What do you mean by supporting? Learning how to practice and/or support. Right. So because I wrote practice, I don't necessarily oh, I want. Yeah, I don't want it to be compulsory. Right. So you can either learn to practice these things or to support other people right. who want to practice these things. So that that, makes that sense. was my that was my mentality with that. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I really like that answer. I think that I would add that it needs to be lifelong. And it needs to be age appropriate. Mm -hmm. So I think learning about, you know, um, like anal and those types of things are really important. But that's something that maybe isn't going to be taught in like grade 10. Um, So it should continue throughout your life. It's not like, you know, you finish your grade 10 health class and now I know everything about sex and I don't need to do anything else. Yeah, just continue. Like you don't, you don't know everything. It's okay to be 25, 30, 40 and still have to google what definitions mean because mm-hmm. you don't know i think that's actually very very important additions the lifelong aspect and the age appropriate aspect i am 
definitely uncertain about what's age appropriate. Mm-hmm. I, I have no background in that and I don't have any sort of empirical studies to, to mm-hmm. inform me on when it's okay to learn about certain sex practices. Like I want to be as liberal as possible, but I also acknowledge that I don't know the potential risks mm-hmm. in, in exposing too much information to somebody who doesn't yet have the mentality to grasp it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and I, I have no idea either yeah. to be yeah. honest um i'm not a parent i don't know what i don't even know what age children start to understand yeah english um so i have no idea but like it is maybe something that we need to research further yeah yeah mm-hmm. because i think you're right there's certain things that are important to learn early mm-hmm. and then there's certain things that are important to reserve for a later time yeah and I, I based this, uh, the anal sex I included in there because I, I remember seeing an article that a sex educator friend of mine posted, mm-hmm. which was saying that, you know, sex ed never covers anal. No, I, I, yeah. I don't think it does. Yeah. yeah. And there is like groups of people who believe that like you're still a virgin if you've only had anal. So like high schoolers will have yeah. anal so that they don't lose their virginity. So like it is something that maybe we should be. I know I, think, I just said not grade ten, but like yeah. I, I genuinely I, I, have no idea. I see idea. your thinking. I see your thinking with yeah. that, but I, I do think that anal is important to teach early on because yeah. if you're sexually active, it doesn't mean you're heterosexual. So you oh, might be having yeah. Very... See, I know it's, ah. it's it's hard. It's hard not to. It's hard to think outside of your own experiences, yeah. right? And I didn't think about that until just now. It occurred to me. I'm like, gay men, yeah, absolutely. might want to have anal sex and. You know, if you start having sex around the same age as everybody, 14, 15, 16, between like 14 and 18. You should be educated. Yeah. Yeah. You you called me out on that. You're right. Well, <laughs> see, you're educating me. Well, I'm. it just occurred to me because obviously we, we're, we're often stuck in thinking through our own experiences. And yeah. It's an, I think it's a good exercise to, to recognize when heteronormativity kind of yeah informs what you You're what you think and, and, and say yeah yeah okay next question and this is the last question has north america has sorry has north american culture become more or less sex positive over time and the options are more less or stayed the same and if you answered one of the first two it says explain i wrote more The visibility of sex-positive communities has forced people to become more aware, despite the fringes that have begun to resist with sex negativity, such as conservative legislations, anti-choice groups, and some religious groups. Mm -hmm. So I've recently come across the term anti-choice instead of pro-life, and I prefer it. I've never heard that, but I prefer it too, because uh, I think pro-life, sorry, pro-choice often gets conflated with always have an abortion. But that's yeah. not what it is. It's, yeah. you know, choice. Yeah. But I really like that answer. I think, um, again, when this study was done, we weren't dealing with Trump yeah. <laughs> and all of that stuff. Yeah. So it was, I think, maybe or Doug easier Ford. to answer. Yeah, or yeah. Doug Ford. It was maybe easier to answer yes. And now, like, if someone answered no, I, I could see their arguments that, like, Look at all this pushback, and and especially in the states that are trying to make abortion illegal again, basically. Yeah. And um, Doug Ford pulling the the changes to the sex education program, and so I could see at this point in time, no being a valid answer. A valid answer as well. I don't mm-hmm. think it's as clear cut, which is really shitty. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way I look at it is, I think we're here's what happened in my view, the mm-hmm. way I see it. So sex positivity was reactionary to guilt, shame, and all the sex negativity of the recent past. Yes. But sex positivity kept pushing and pushing for diversity, for more acceptance, for more visibility. And that triggered another reaction, which is the sex negative communities to fire back with legislation, the conservatives, the religious leaders, the whoever is uncomfortable with it mm-hmm. now has to put up an opposition, mm-hmm. which hopefully will be dismantled mm-hmm. because it is harmful. Yeah. So to wrap up, mm-hmm. I want to know what your future plans are with your yeah. research. Do you want to study some more uh, sex positivity? And if so, kind of what, what are you looking at? 
Yeah, I definitely do. So right now we're actually working on developing a scale and, and um, for anyone who doesn't know, scale development in psychology is a multi-step process. So we've done the first step, which is the exploratory factor analysis uh, data sample. Um, and we're just working on putting together the second set so we can start collecting data hopefully soon um, to do a confirmatory factor analysis. So basically what that means is we already have the items that are going to be on the scale. Um, and now we're just making sure that they all fit, that they all make sense, and that they all tell us what we they want, um, what we want. Um, so hopefully we can start collecting that data, and we can get a scale that actually will allow us to um, measure how sex positive people are. Um, mm -hmm. With that scale, we can start to examine some claims about sex positivity, and we can also see if it's something that we can manipulate. Can we make people more sex positive? Is it something like? Um, you know, once you like exposure to different types of people, and like makes you realize that it's fine, and and now you yeah. can be more sex positive. We can start to look at um, the benefits of sex positive sex education. Um, you know, if we look at how sex positive a sex education program is, and then we follow the students throughout the years and see like where do they end up versus a less sex positive education program, we can start to actually examine. Um, sex positivity at a more uh, empirical level and I think that's that's something I'm really looking forward to um, so that's kind of it's you know if I'm being totally honest it's not my main avenue of research anymore um, mm -hmm. very broadly I do work in feminist psychology and um, my thesis work is looking at women in publishing and biases against women in publishing whether or not they exist but this is something that I'm still very much interested in and I am still working on and looking forward to continuing yeah awesome mm -hmm. awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show yeah thanks for and having me and do you if you want people to to find you anywhere do you want to plug any sort of things websites or social media or anything Oh, um, I mean, you can check out my website. It's just chantalivansky.com. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Wonderful. Thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty to stimulate your thinking.